I don't buy the idea that, you know, the society the way it is right now, it has to be this way. Welcome to Rewrite the Rules with your host, Alex Starr. So many of us choose our path out of fear disguised as practicality. It's time to live life on your own terms. What do you really want? Well, what's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 40. Uh, So glad you guys are listening. I appreciate you tuning in. I cannot believe that I am on episode 40 of this podcast. Um, You know, it was about almost exactly three years ago. Quick story time here. I'm getting nostalgic on episode 40. On three years ago, I got done with a three-week fire in Oregon, and I was back down in southern Arizona, and I had four days off, and I decided to take a jaunt up to the Grand Canyon and do a little solo trip down there. And so I spent about uh, 24 hours at the bottom of the canyon without any phone, no watch. Um, I just slept out like on a blanket I brought, drank the fresh water from the stream, watched the stars, and I told myself I would get up uh, whenever I was ready to get up and start walking out. And so I woke up at some time during the night with the full moon and I started hiking out of the canyon. And I believe it was a 12, 13 mile hike out uh, and like 5,000 feet in elevation gain. And I got to my car at 8.30 or 9 in the morning. Um, so I think I left at like 2 or 3. I have no idea. But anyway, after spending 24 hours basically by myself in the bottom of this unbelievable canyon, uh, I was driving back the, the five hours and I was going to stop in Phoenix. And I remember it hitting me like an epiphany. It was this beautiful blue summer, just desert day. And I just had this epiphany that just hit me that I have to start a podcast. And I had no idea why and I had no idea where it was going to lead. Um, but here we are, you know, three years later. Uh, I started a year after that because I didn't want to put any out because I kept stalling. Um, and now finally I'm on episode 40 after two years of doing it. So anyway, appreciate you guys tuning in, people that have been with me for a while, uh, coming along for the ride. This episode, I'm once again, very, very excited. Every single one, I just get more excited about the guests. Uh, this one is Larry Yatch and he is an ex-Navy SEAL. I actually had his buddy, Eric Davis, on a few episodes back. Um, You guys can go listen to that one too. And these guys, because they're Navy SEALs, they are a different breed of human. And just being able to speak to them and kind of being in their presence of a mindset like that, of someone who has worked through discipline um, and just done all of that work, uh, it's just, it's a privilege to be able to listen and it's a privilege to be able to put this kind of information out there. So I really appreciate Larry coming on. I know you guys are just going to get pumped and motivated listening to him. I actually broke it into two parts. So I'm going to put the next one out uh, a week from now because it's just, there's, it's so meaty. There's just so much, uh, and it's about an hour and a half. So I cut it down into two 45 minute segments. Um, but when you guys like what he's talking about, he actually set up like a free video course for all of my listeners. Uh, so if you go to smleaders.com slash star, uh, you can get a free webinar, free course. Um, and it includes like how to optimize your time more efficiently, build better relationships and still discipline. Uh, so it's really great. Um, I already signed up for it. So check that out. It's smleaders.com slash star. That's with two R's, of course. And I hope you guys get a lot out of this. Uh, tune in next week for part two. Love you all. Enjoy later.
like distinguish and nitpick out what is useful and what is not. Those are the people that are going to become successful. I guess how to apply it, make it applicable to other things. Yeah, you've got three steps. You got to find the right information. You have to be able to implement it, right? Apply that information. And then you have to be, you have to evolve it. You have to evolve it to the next level. And you do all three. If you miss any one of those steps, you're limited, right? So if you, if you don't even look for information, you're going to be, let's say, very low success, right? If you're, if you're at least looking for information and, and getting it, you're going to have be a little more successful. If you're, looking for information and applying it, right? Actually putting in a work, you're, you're going to see a big jump in success. And then the last part is if you're, you're finding good information, you're applying it, and then you're taking that info information and modifying it to fit your environment specifically and adjusting it as environment changes, you're going to be the most successful. Yeah. Um, how do you, you know, off of that, what do you, what are your daily, how do you modify the information and apply it to your life. So what, what is your like daily habits look like to best instill, you know, those practices? One of the things is you have to study on a regular basis and study is different than read or learn. To me, studying ha- means that we're actually applying right for the purpose oh. of something else okay. versus learning. I love learning anything. So I'll get stuck on a blog on monkeys and their mating habits for no reason other than it's interesting and i I like learning so i'll read it the rabbit hole of youtube yeah exactly and so that's that's you're still learning right when you read an interesting article or watch an interesting video but if you're not using that information you're i don't look at it as a study right for me studying is consuming the information for the purpose of something specific as opposed to just consuming information and again we get to that a you know overwhelm where you can consume information nonstop in our world, literally nonstop, never stop consuming information. Every, every minute that you're not doing something, you can open your phone and consume more information. And so uh, consuming information does not equal, I don't believe equal success, right? Consuming information for the purpose of something else, for the purpose of creating uh, some, some new situation is what allows you to be successful. So, so de- dedicated time, right? Being able to have dedicated time to learning, having clarity on what your purpose is, uh, what the purpose of the study is. Uh, and then uh, having the, my, if you ask, these aren't really related, right? So my morning habits aren't necessarily directly related to study habits, but I have a series of habits that I do on a regular basis. What, what are they? I've actually started two new ones. I used to do uh, some mindfulness, right? Meditation just on the day uh, to begin, kind of clear the mind. And I was reading uh, Tools of Titans from Tim Ferriss. And uh, there's two practices that he had in there that that I've been trying for the last, I don't know, two weeks or so, two and a half weeks. And I've, I've really liked it. First one is uh, the process of doing a, a basic journaling uh, and with the journaling, the point is just to clear your brain. So it's stream of consciousness, whatever comes your brain, there isn't right or wrong. You're really not going to use it. Uh, all you're trying to do is kind of wipe off, wipe off the brain and let it be clear. So I just write a page of content, uh, no real purpose. The next thing is, uh, to list out three things that are the, the things I'm avoiding for the day. Oh, interesting. And it's, 
yeah, it's it's not the things I, I need to do. There's always something, at least one, if not two or three things that you're, you're, you really are actively avoiding to do. Uh, and generally, those are the ones you need to do the worst uh, because you keep pushing them off. And so I'll I'll write those things down. And with that, you have to accept that you're uh, insufficient. Right. You have to have a mindset of saying, yep, I, I'm this. I would screw this up again today. If I if I don't write it down I, and by screw it up, I mean, not do it right. Avoid it yet again. So then once I write down those three things, I pick the whichever one is either uh, the biggest or the one I'm avoiding the most or would impact the other two. Right. A lot of times there's one. If you do that, it's going to unlock a handful of other things. And then uh, I'll I'll circle that one. And I have a two hour block of time to work on my calendar every day. And that two hour block is just to work on that one thing. And so uh, that sets then sets up the day for uh, for practice. The other thing that that I do, and this is semi related to it. So I do this in the morning as well, relative to the day before. Uh, have you ever heard of the like a gratitude practice where people write what they're thankful for yeah, on a regular that. basis? <clears throat> yeah. Well, I've modified that to cover more topics. So uh, it's a rotating seven topic list. Uh, so every day is a different, a different point. And those, so I will, after I kind of do my list of things and pick what I'm going to do, I'll, I'll pick one or not pick one of these things that rotates Sunday, you know, Sunday through Sunday, uh, write a, a sentence or two with it. And the list uh, starts out with gratitude. So Sunday is about being thankful of something that happened either that day or the day before. Uh, Monday is uh, what challenge did I get confronted with uh, the uh, the day before? And that challenge could have stopped action or I could have overcome it. It doesn't make a difference. Just the the point of of thinking about and writing down what caused caused me to be challenged. Uh, Tuesday is about learning. So what did I learn? Something I learned the, the day before. Uh, Wednesday is team. So, uh, what member of my team helped me and, or what, what member of the team did I help, uh, throughout the day? Uh, Thursday is all about our leadership tenants. So, uh, we define, I define leadership and, and talk about leadership through these eight leadership tenants. And I see them as uh, tools to, to ensure uh, effective leadership. So Thursday is all about picking one of the tenants one of the eight and describing how I used that tenant that day. Uh, Friday's all about failure. So what did I fail on? You know, what didn't, what did I not accomplish? What did I fall down on? Uh, where was I insufficient? And the last one is uh, Saturday on leadership. So uh, how did I uh, act in the role of a leader uh, doing one of, we have four uh, key actions of a leader. So one of those four things, what did I do? And, or if I haven't done anything, then that day I, I say, okay, I'm going to pick one of those four things and actively look to do it. And then it just rotates wow. uh, week to week. You know, it's funny when you first started saying what you did in the morning, uh, I was like, oh yeah, cool. I do that too. I write down like a couple pages of things. I meditate. And then when you went into what you do Monday through Sunday, breaking it down, I was like, oh shit. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I, don't, I don't keep up with what he does at all. Yeah. <laughs> How did you think of all that stuff? You created that like that system? Yeah. So uh, it all started with 
uh, study, right? I was reading about, mm -hmm. uh, gra you know, the gratitude practice and what yeah. that does for you. And, and then, so again, look at it this way. Uh, the same three thing, right? Three things. So you've got exposure to information, application of information, then evolution of information. And so it would have followed that process. The first thing was exposure to information. I would have read, I think I was in a workshop where someone was talking about that. I, I, I'd have to look at my notes to see where it was, but uh, learned it in the, or was exposed to it in the workshop uh, application. I, I said, okay, that sounds like a good idea. So I did it for a week or two and then evolution. So saying, okay, this was pretty useful, but I found that I like variety, so I kind of got bored after okay. a couple times of doing it. I found it to be less effective. Uh, so then I started saying, well, you know what? There's a handful of other things that that are core to what we teach in leadership. You know, what about putting one of the, those things in here to kind of mix it up? And before long, I had five and it was easy to go. It was actually easy to go to seven. I think I had eight or nine and I, I rolled out one or two. Uh, and so I like structure that a structure that is uh, has variety. So it's kind of this weird dichotomy and of really liking things to be very structured, but on the mm -hmm. other side, also needing variety. So uh, I like structured variety, which, which this would have, right? So structured, same practice every day, variety, a different topic of every day of those seven. We could open a restaurant based on those tenants right there. Yeah, exactly. Um, I structured variety. Structured I variety. I start taking notes. <laughs> it just serves lunch, but it's uh, really, you know, variety of foods. Um, I think the three things to avoid is that's extremely powerful. As you mentioned that, um, because I do the gratitude, I do the morning pages journal kind of thing, which they, yep, they refer to pages, it as, that was it. yeah. And they refer to it as a uh, spiritual windshield wipers, which I really like. Um, but the three things to did avoid. Did you look into with that, the lady that came up with it, I, I don't have her name written down uh, now, but she had like a, artist a way, journal Julia with morning pages. Julia did you Cameron. actually look at that, that uh, I journal, it. what was set up with it? I own it, yeah. What's in it? You know what? Hold on. It's right here on the counter. Hold on. Ugh. That's funny. Right here people listening can't see but you can see oh yeah are we recording by the way yeah 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 we've been yeah we're recording <laughs> okay, I, I thought we we're just talking either way yeah no no we're recording so this is the morning pages uh the artist way morning pages journal yep. and so she has one that's called the artist way julia cameron and it's like an actual uh like guidebook to finding it but then this one is really just that's my text but it's just giant blank pages with kind of like She'll have like, you know, some motivational quote or something. It's okay, just, it's just a giant journal, man. What's on the left side? The it would look like a list of some sort. No, these are just different like quotes. These are just giant, oh, okay. these are just giant blank pages with, I don't know if you can see, but like that's a little quote on the top there. Yeah, I got that's you. That's another quote over here. They're just giant blank pages with room for you to write. And then kind of like, you know, this says, uh, Remembering this, like you may be well experiencing a sense of both bafflement and faith. You are no longer stuck, but you cannot tell where, where you are going. So just little like quips like that and kind of things like that. Gotcha. But it's, I like having, like what you said, I like having the structure of like, this is the book I use to write down my thoughts. You know what I mean? So. And have you been real consistent in it? 
I have, yeah. Um, I would say five days a week. I'm not okay. perfect, but I would say five days a week. I was going to ask you about consistency. I was going to ask you about if you ever miss a day. Uh, I do. One of the, I think one of the critical parts to being successful is your approach to failure. Uh, and there's two main types or two main courts that uh, failure can fall into. One is hidden failure and the other is growth failure. So uh, we generally are, or our society generally looks at failure as a bad thing. And so we're generally conditioned to not want to fail and we don't want others to know we failed. And that that leads to us wanting to hide failure. We hide it from ourselves. We hide it from other people, uh, mostly because uh, our power, our ability to influence change uh, will be decreased if we fail. And so we don't want that to happen. So we, we hide it. On the other end, you have growth failure where uh, you have this intense love-hate relationship with failure. So you absolutely love finding it, but you hate it so much you want to get rid of it immediately. And so on a growth failure side, every time you fail, you're using it as an opportunity to learn, an opportunity to grow. Sure. Uh, and with that, especially in a team-based environment, you, you want to shout your failures out in front of the whole group. You want everyone to know how you failed so that they don't do it. Because I always say hidden failure kills you three times. It kills you the first time when you fail. It kills you the second time when you fail again because you ignored it. And it kills you the third time when someone on your team makes the same mistake and fails a third time. So being able to have an environment where failure is not only accepted, but you want to find it, you want to share it, and you want to get rid of it is critical. And uh, so for me, if you if I had it where, okay, I missed a day, that was a big failure, then I'm going to quit, right? If every time you do it and you, you just beat yourself up, you're not allowed to fail, then you're not going to be able to continue to go on. So something like this for me is I I will do it. I think I'm at, you know, five or six times a week, uh, same thing. And and the times that I don't do it is that happens, right? And if I find that, okay, I'm now missing four or five, then I'll look at that that failure as being too big, right? One or two isn't bad, five or three, four or five, too much. So then at that point, I'll put another structure in place to ensure that it happens. Interesting. That is good to know because, um, you know, when I think of, when I think of like, you know, Navy SEAL or when I think of people like that, that are so structured and stuff, you know, you have this image. I have an image of my mind of like that. There are some people out there that are perfect and that they are so regimented and so disciplined that they are flawless in their execution. And then I wake up at, you know, late on a, on a Tuesday and I don't feel like doing my morning pages journal and I forgot to meditate and, you know, I don't work out as hard as I should have or things like that. It's one of those days. And then you're right. It becomes this, it becomes a negative self-fulfilling prophecy or you know, yep. a, a negative feedback loop where it's like, you fucking idiot. How could you have forgotten to do that? You didn't even do anything this morning and you didn't want to sit down and do your morning pages journal, you know, and then it just leads to like, well, you know what? I'm just going to go have a beer because, you know, you know, this is, stu- you know what I mean? You just, it becomes yeah, a negative screw it. Um, I give up. I'm going to sit on the couch yeah. and drink. Yeah, like I'll screw it, you know, and I, I hate, I don't, do, you know, I don't really do that that often, but it becomes this like, I'm going to go get a cheeseburger, fuck it, or whatever it is, your, your vice. Um, and then it just leads you the next morning to probably not doing it again. And it's just, it's interesting to hear you say that you make it to like five or six uh, days a week as well. That's very, um, that's very, so there's, I'm the, glad to the hear kind that. Of, <laughs> yeah, you're glad that I suck too. <laughs> yeah. 
We yeah. always say, you know, one of the things we always said as SEALs is we're not that good. It's just everyone else sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we just suck a little bit less than everyone else, which I guess if you suck the least, you really are the best. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that is, uh, that is good. It's also good that you were catering, that you developed kind of a, a mold, uh, for you that you catered the morning thing, uh, and your habits, you cater them cause you know that you like structured variety instead of just going on and on and on with someone else's ideal of, of what you should be doing. Cause I think that's important too. Yeah. And I, you know, understanding that evolution of, uh, being exposed to information, applying that information, then evolving that information is, is a good way to look at anything you're in the process of learning because you can see where you're, you, what stage of those three you're at, uh, giving you direction as to what comes next. Yeah, definitely. So how important is, is kind of like finding that inner compassion or just being easy on yourself? And, and did it take you a long time to find that as well? Or did you beat yourself up for a while or? Uh, yeah, I would not say that I'm easy on myself by any means. Uh, it's, I, I look at it as, you know, I could actually probably be a lot easier on myself and where that comes from is not in the, uh, I fail and then I'm going to just beat myself up over it where I, where I beat myself up is by doing too much, by putting too much on, by beat it, by destroying my body or my energy by accepting way too many things. And so it's not so much in, in screwing up as it is in doing too much because the mentality that is created it through the seal training process is that you know we we each one of us knows to the core of our being it's not we don't think it or believe it there's no there's no faith or hope it's we know to the core of our being if it's humanly possible we can do it and a lot we aren't correct in that in that knowledge but we know it right oftentimes we are insufficient there are things we can't do but if you ask just about any seal, hey, could you do this? Every one of them will think about it and then say, yeah, I could do that. Might take me years of, of effort, but I could if I wanted to. And so when you're confronted with that mentality that I can do anything, then it's very easy to, to overwhelm yourself by accepting too much, by overestimating what you can actually do. So I'd, I'd say most of my failures are caused by the fact that I'm really not very good at estimating my my true capacity my true capability huh that's interesting that must be hard that's a tough balance that's a tough uh rope to walk i would imagine oh definitely i mean it's it's tough for the people around us because uh we'll end up putting things on or over tasking ourselves and they can see it i know my wife definitely struggles with that mm. uh eric uh, Davis. So he was on one of your previous podcasts, really good seal friend of mine of all the seals. I know he's, he's the best at that. He's really the best at, at not overwhelming himself about taking the time that he needs, uh, through recreation, through, uh, family time to be able to be an optimal performer, uh, because he's spent so much time working on that. And if anything, he's, he kind of acts as my guide or or the person I try to model my practices after because I've seen him uh, set up his life to be much more balanced. Uh, and really, it, balanced is, I don't know if balance is the right word, but uh, filling all the buckets that you need to fill to be effective, mm. uh, as opposed to most of us will have two or three buckets that are overflowing, two or three buckets that are empty. 
Yeah, isn't that true? Yeah, you really do just like focus on some things and then by focusing on those, you neglect the others. Yeah, and it's, uh, like I said, I was listening to a couple of your podcasts before I came on the show and uh, it was your podcast with Eric that actually triggered this this uh, thought process for me and it, it exposed a uh, principle uh, that I ha- wasn't clear to me before. And the concept was that uh, our societies are condition us to have a daily practice or a daily experience uh, that fits into, let's say, a process, right? A way of life, a lifestyle uh, that is effort. We have to put in effort. We have to work hard to attain a goal. Mm-hmm. And if we see, we see that all the time, right? And from the very first day we're in in first grade in school, it's the same thing. You, you have to sit down in class and you have to be quiet when you don't want to be quiet or you're going to get in trouble. So if you don't, uh, if you do what you're supposed to do, then you'll, you'll get approval from the teacher. And then yeah. you have to st- study hard. You have to do homework so you can get a good grade. You have to get work hard to get good grades so you can graduate from that level. You have to then do that to get into a good enough school. So then to go into high school. And now we have to do well in high school to get into college. And we have to get into a good college and work hard to get a job. We have to get a job and work really hard to get a promotion until the ultimate, like finally the the time that we win is when we retire, right? So we've worked hard our whole lives so that we can retire and live a happy life. And what we find is most of the people that get to that point have, you know, one of the other kind of really uh, negative parts of it is our entire societies around that. So you look at the same thing. You you have to work hard to have enough money to buy an iPhone, and then you have to work hard and have enough money to buy the next one, right? So uh, the world marketing, uh, the flock of of sheep that we're around, will constantly have another goal that you have to attain, yes. and you have to put an effort to attain the goal. And so at the end, with the people that are retired, you find generally you find two groups. One group has spent too much money on those those expensive goals along the way and they don't have enough money to retire so they have to keep working they have to keep struggling and then or it's the other people that have enough money they've gone to the goal but they're not happy and they're not happy because for their whole life they've been driven to fulfill something and now there's nothing to fulfill so they feel they get depressed they they uh, don't know what to do playing golf 24 hours a day for a couple of weeks gets old after a while and changing that philosophy from we have to put put effort into our daily practice and our our lifestyle in order to attain a goal changing it around and it was what i think it was what you said uh, on the podcast was making that daily experience that lifestyle the goal as opposed to attaining something else right that's from a uh, man's search for meaning by victor frankl yeah the process is the goal Right. And as soon as you make the process the goal, all of a sudden uh, you're freed from uh, marketing. You're freed from the flock telling you what you need to do because it isn't all of a sudden uh, money becomes a tool to provide the experience that you want. Uh, Stuff becomes uh, valuable based on its utility Mm. in fulfilling your your daily practice or your your uh, daily lifestyle. Uh, education becomes again utilitarian. Is it useful information that allows me to to live my day my uh, my 
goal, that that daily process that's beautiful. Now all of a sudden utility becomes the driver, not marketing or the flock's opinion of what you should or shouldn't do. It's incredible, man. That is it's a very dangerous concept. It is, and we're all we're all tied into it. And what's the most dangerous, so uh, my wife and I both would you would could objectively look at us and say we were we're high performers, mm-hmm. right? From being in school all the way through college into into our jobs, and we I was looking at my life uh, when I was listening to that podcast, and I was saying uh, I saw that every the harder I worked and the more that I did, the better I did, the more I was getting deeply ingrained into that I have to suffer for a goal, and it was the same thing with her. Both of us are the the which seems kind of backwards. The better you do in life, the harder you work, the more you're doomed to suffering for a goal that's never going. You're never going to get. And and I always looked at the backside. We as high performers look at someone whose life is the goal is the process, right? The goal is the daily process. And the example I was using to explain it to my wife is there's that 70 year old lady that's at the flea market. She says she makes jewelry out of garbage. Uh, she's never done anything but make jewelry out of garbage. And uh, she is absolutely every day. She can't wait to get up and go look for garbage and then make some jewelry and then sit at the flea markets and talk to the nice people. Mm-hmm. We would look at someone like that, that ha- really has not much, doesn't have much. Uh, and we would look at it and say like that person's a loser, right? Look at, they haven't done anything. And so someone who is actually successful in winning every day by making their process, the goal, we would look at as, as a low performer. And so, like you said, it is dangerous. The better you do in life, the more likely you are to be in the wrong mindset. Right. Yeah. And it's also the, the counter argument or like the counter mindset because I think what's happening is like what you're describing, having the carrot in front of you, right? The the, the carrot constantly yep. dangled in front of you. That is, you know, pure, pure. I think that's the pure capitalism that people get mad at or, you know, because that is necessary on the, on the pure capitalist side. You always have to be something you're striving towards, right? You got to got the, the new version of the iPhone, the bigger house, the new tile in your kitchen, the new chairs. I mean, it, this market's not going to work. Unless there's people always buying new shit, right? That's just the way it works. Um, yeah, and like, like Eric says, if the market keeps you dissatisfied, keeps you unhappy, it gives you the power to move, right? So yes. it, the society, them, quote unquote, marketing, uh, the flock has to keep you unhappy or yes. else your attention will be to put to something they don't want it to be. Right, exactly. You're not, and I think I mentioned this, Eric, too, you're not... If you're satisfied, if you're sitting there and you are satisfied with your life and I go, hey, Larry, how you feeling? And you're like, you know what, Alex? God, I just, I love my family. I really love where we're at right now with our house and the things that we have. My car runs perfectly. Got to see my my son play t-ball the other day. It's beautiful weather. You know, it's really nice. Oh, that's cool. Well, like, what, what are you thinking about buying soon? What do you mean? I mean, you want to buy a new car? You want to buy a new shirt? Yep. Not, not really. Why? Why, why? why would I buy that? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, cause if you're satisfied with everything, you're not going to go buy a bunch of shit because, but if they can make you feel unworthy or if they can make you feel bad about something or that, you know, that you are not as good as you thought you were, well then you'll, then you'll cough it up. Yeah, and this is, I had to deal with this particular thing in a really 
a really negative and really painful way recently with my father. So mm. uh, my father suffered a traumatic brain injury 25 years ago, falling off a horse. Uh, unbeknownst to me over the last two years, it came back. And what came back is he can't, he can't make short-term memories. So he's present in the moment and he can remember perfectly years ago. But after about 15 minutes, he loses, loses memory of what was going on. So when I finally figured this out, he ended up in the hospital because he wasn't taking his medication because he couldn't remember if he took it or not. Uh, what I found is that he had spent his entire life savings over the last 18 months. And the reason being is he's a he's very ingrained into the mindset of buying something makes him happy. Mm. Right. So he doesn't even really like using stuff. He just likes the little the uh, the portion of buying it because when he was young, horrible parents fighting all the time, and he never felt a value. And that whenever he would be able to present enough value for the world that he got money, being able to buy something validated that he was of value. And so that's how he got connected to buying stuff. And we, so many people, right, go, what do they call it? A retail therapy, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like crap, so I'm gonna go buy something, I feel better. So that's common. Well, since he couldn't remember he would go out, buy something and couldn't remember that he bought it. He would have seven of the same things. And so over 18 months spent over 200,000, maybe $300,000. It's gone. All of it's gone. All of it from buying stuff. So he, not one thing, not $1 stolen, not $1 lost or gambled. It was simply the action of buying stuff. And that stuff was worth when all said and done, maybe a couple grand you can get for it. And to think that to the extreme, right? To the extreme of, I, I buy stuff to make me happy. What does that actually do for you in life? Nothing. I mean, it, it can ruin you. Yeah, that's incredible. That, <clears throat> Yeah, that, that's a very uh, powerful way to, to, to realize that. And I think you're right. I think it's a lot of more people than we think. And I think a lot of us do it even subconsciously without realizing we're doing it sometimes too. Yeah. Getting little... Just Self-medication. Yeah, self-medication, right. And it comes in a variety of forms and all of them, uh, someone's making a buck. <laughs> yeah, usually, yeah. That's where for me, uh, I'm lucky that uh, I am 100% drawn to experiences as opposed to stuff. So I, I own stuff to enable my experiences. I don't own stuff because it makes me happy. And uh, that for me has saved me from saving a whole lot or from spending a lot of money on on useless things but i will i will spend money on experiences being mm -hmm. able to uh, ride motorcycles drive uh, race cars uh, jump out of airplanes uh, jet ski you name it if it if it's got some some aspect of danger and requires intense focus i want to do it and uh being hooked on experiences as opposed to hooked on on stuff i think is a is a much better place to be yeah, you know what? I would say that that's the new age mantra as well. I would say, you know, the I'm 28, so I would say the millennial generation, that is for sure the new mantra because we've we were born and raised on information and yep. people can see like this is all kind of bullshit, you know? You can just go online and see the documentaries, you can see it's just we're exposed to so much now. I feel like the whole system is somewhat crumbling around the age of information and the people that are holding it up are like 50 and above. And as those people start to die, I think the economy is going to shift. And I think a lot of people, a lot of my friends and myself included, 
I have like four boxes with me. I moved out to Austin with, you know, but it's like everyone is looking for experiences as opposed to stuff. Cause I think, I do think the age of information is letting the younger generation wake up to the fact that you, what you're talking about, that it doesn't have to be buying a bunch of shit to make you happy. It can be about buying the, the motorcycle trip or buying, you know, going backpacking and it only cost me $500, you know? How much, uh, how much of it do you think is driven by the fact that the millennial generation has had a harder time finding work, right? That they've been, they've had a harder time finding high paying jobs. They're not into a decent company job right out of school where now you have money. And so to some degree, it seems like uh, a portion of that generation hasn't had the resources to buy a lot of stuff. And, you know, are they then directed more towards experiences? That's a great point. I mean, I would say it's multifaceted for sure. You know, I would say part of it is age of information. Part of it is we don't, yeah, have as much money. It's not the same like, oh, you graduate college. Congrats. Here's a middle income salary, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of different parts to it. But I, I would say that that is the general consensus is uh, experiences over things for sure. And so my wife and I are in the process. We have a six month old and two and a half year old. And we're, oh, in, nice, the, man. we're in the process right now of planning to uh, to liquidate most of our stuff. And uh, we're moving to uh, Park City for a couple months in the ski season, uh, right around December time frame. And then going down to Florida for some time and really looking to to, again, minimize ownership of stuff and for the next number of years focus more on uh experiencing things than than buying and owning stuff wow yeah that's awesome well no wonder oh, so you guys are going to be snowbirds yeah snowbirds yeah, and, yeah, yeah and our our intent is to live on a sailboat for a couple of years uh here <sighs> and so it's going to take a little bit of time we, we want to make sure that the kids are old enough that when we knock them in the water they don't drown so we figure we got to get them to at least two or three years old so yeah uh figure that's why florida going down to florida just to get used to sailing being on a boat and then the the goal is it would be in about two years to to live live full-time on a sailboat and uh in the winter i love skiing right so in the winter we'll live in a ski town and charter the boat and help pay for the ski ski vacation well shit man that's the that, that sounds like the life right there that's what i was thinking <laughs> Yeah, sounds, sailing around sweet. the Caribbean islands and then skiing in uh, amazing ski places in the winter. Hell yeah. And you know what, man? That right there, what you just said, Larry, that is that is the new that is the new lifestyle right there. You're you built a business online, right? You're making your money mainly online, correct? Speaking hey, of- I, I would say I'm seventy percent uh corporate work, right? So seventy percent corporate work, thirty percent online and and what I'm actively doing is designing less corporate, more online. So I'm moving, you know, we've been making the, the transition from what was 100 uh, percent in-person work to uh, more and more digital. And uh, being able to to make that shift enables and even the corporate work. I got clients all over the country. So I got as long as I'm near an airport, I'm good. Right. It, uh, I got I can't be too far from an airport. But other than that. I can do most of the work at home and that's taken design, right? That didn't happen by accident. That, that took a lot of work to design the business, design a lifestyle to make it happen. Yeah. And, but that you, what you're creating is definitely, I think the way of the future. And that's what so many 
people I hear talk about is they want more flexibility. It's not people don't want to stop working. They just want to stop working for the corporates. We're like, you got to yep. be here at this time and do that. And you're like, well, can't I be in Park City and I can do it like from, you know, six in the morning until noon and then go ski with my kids? No, no, no. You got to be here at this time. Well, yep. Why? You know, so uh, you're definitely creating what I think th- that's what the world is going to. That's exciting, man. Yeah, I was talking to I was talking to one of my clients telling him about this and and he said, well, isn't it going to be really hard with kids, you know, with having young children? And and my thought was, it's only hard if you don't start. Mm. And what I mean, and where I got that was travel, doing just basic flying with the kids, right? We, I know a lot of parents that have two-year-olds and they've never left the house, right? Not had one babysitter, you know, and they've been just locked in the house with the kids. And my wife and I didn't want to be to do that. And so instead of waiting weeks, months, years to then bring in a babysitter and leave, uh, right? The longer you go, it stays hard, hard until you start doing it. Three days after being home, we scheduled a babysitter and we said, we're going to start, we're going to start doing this and it gets easier and easier. And and I believe it's the same thing with this. It's only going to be hard if we don't start traveling with the kids. We don't start uh, having them get used to living in a different place every six months, every three months. And the kids are so adaptable and they don't they care less of all, you know, of the family, of what they have. You know, and and it's that mentality of the experience being the goal versus the the end state or whatever you buy as a goal comes out when you buy first time you give your your baby or your toddler a present. You but you spend hundreds of dollars on this beautiful, expensive electronic uh, four wheeler for them to play in. Right? It comes in a big box. Yo, they open the box, they're all excited. You pull out the four wheeler, and what do they play with? The box. Right? They don't care about the nice toy that you spend a bunch of money on. They'd much rather play with the box. They'd much rather have the experience. And so I think human beings are programmed to enjoy experiences over stuff. Because you can see it in kids that haven't yet been tainted by marketing, by the flock, by uh, society. Yeah, I, <clears throat> yeah, I agree with all that. And man, you're the statement right there. You just said uh, it's only hard if you don't start. We could just make that the tagline for this entire podcast. Yeah, yeah, I like it. <laughs> That's applicable to everything, man. Exactly. Everything. Absolutely everything. Absolutely everything. It's only hard if you don't start. And it's like, oh, I got to start this, the, my the exercise regimen, the diet, you know, the, the new business. And you get boggled down with everything that is going to have to be done in the next five years. And you just like, it's a, you're like a computer program that just freezes and stops, you know? Yeah. And that's why that practice of instead of writing down what I, I have to do, the to do's, writing down what I don't want to do is so useful because then I pick the one that's the hardest. And I do that. I start on that one. And as soon as you start on that, it's dominoes. Everything else falls down. Yeah, I'm definitely going to start that uh, tomorrow. It it does suck, though, because you actually have to admit what you don't want to do and have to Uh, write it down. Oh, and then you actually have to be honest. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Then you have to be honest or whatever. I'm going to send you a picture of it tomorrow and be like, all right, man, this is what it is. Yeah, I found one of the, the traps I started falling into was I would look back to the day before and see what I didn't get done. And I just rewrite that. 
I stopped that quickly because that's cheating, right? That wasn't right. it. That wasn't truly what was hard. I didn't want to do. Right, right, right. Yeah, I started so because of like the negative cycle we were talking about, and you kind of focus on what you didn't do. I actually started doing uh, writing gratitude, and then I started writing like three things I did well the previous day, like three things that okay. went well. Like, oh, did I actually get? It? Did I go to the gym? Nice, you know. Hey, did I like talk to that cute girl? I saw her. I almost got scared. And then I went and talked to her. Nice. Cool. Make a note of that. So it's kind of like starting to do like a positive, like, what did I do well? Instead of just going, fucking idiot, you like ate that cheeseburger. <laughs> or you know what I mean? Instead of just yeah. dwelling on that. I've uh because I have I have such a strong drive to to do things to accomplish. And really, I have a strong habit and drive to suffer. I'm real I, you know, if anything that's one of the things I would want to change, right? Not being so, so good. And so folks at suffering because I'll fall, I'll fall into it easily. Uh, I, I always focus on what's wrong, what's failed, what I can do better. And it doesn't make me feel bad. Like I don't get a negative self worth self image from it. It just is what is. Hmm. Yeah. I think what it comes down to is a balance of the two. Cause you definitely don't want to live in la la land. Right. Um, but I think what happens is, is, and I'm speaking from my personal self, I kind of err on one side or the other where it's like, no, everything's great. And in reality, there's a lot of things I could be kind of mad at myself. He could say and be like, dude, you need to, you need to fix that. And then there's the other side where you're just beating yourself up and you're just like, dude, like <laughs> you did a lot of things well though too, you know? So it's finding that balance with everything, right? Yeah. Hey, thanks for tuning in, guys. Hope you enjoyed that. I got part two coming up next week. Even more motivating stuff, inspirational stuff with Larry. He's great. Uh, make sure and check out that site for the free webinar, free video, smleaders.com slash star. And I will see you guys next week. Crush it. Have a badass week. Much love. Toodles. Catch you later. Bye. Bye.